0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm tired of hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up. Go to the windows. Open them in here. This is the
1: and may God have mercy on your soul. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 21 of the Neg's Best Film Podcast, part of negsbestthing.com and I am your host. Maddie Neggs. Today I am being joined by Phil from filmbeef.com. Phil, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? I am pretty exhausted, actually. I just got back from a baseball game in Queens, New York. I watched the New York Mets today lose, which wasn't actually the best experience to the Washington Nationals. And then I went to a friend's house. We watched the Phenom, which is actually available right now. On iTunes to rent currently. So we, we caught that. And then I hopped on a train, came back over here, and here we are. How about yourself?
2: Uh, I actually went and saw the movie this morning. I went to a theater that serves breakfast and watched that <laughs> um, and uh, played basketball. So it's been a pretty eventful day. But uh, yeah, sorry to hear about the Mets. Uh, I'm a Reds fan. so
1: Ah, Cincinnati. Things are bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I see, I see. All right, well, in any case, the movie that you were alluding to is The Secret Life of Pets, and that is our main review of the episode today. But let's just kick it off with a little icebreaker first here, Phil. Tell me, what have you been watching this week at home?
2: Well, at home, I actually watched The Purge Anarchy uh, for the first time. I was trying to catch up to watch The Purge Election Year, but uh, schedule didn't work out, so I didn't get to review it on Film Beef, but uh, my co-host and one of our friends actually reviewed it on there. But uh, Purge Anarchy, I actually liked it quite a bit. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not usually a horror movie guy, and I wouldn't even consider Anarchy a horror movie, but uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it. It really felt like um, you know, the Punisher from Marvel in the Purge universe with Frank Grillo. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, I actually went and saw the shallows with Blake Lively as well. Um, re- I liked that one. Yeah. Uh, it was really cheesy in parts, but I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit actually.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely thought it was from a B movie movie standpoint if you take it on its own terms i thought that what it set out to do it did very well
2: absolutely and i've also been catching up on mr robot season one rewatching it because we're going to be recapping it on film beef uh, mr robot season two
1: so i've been told by numerous people that if there is one television show that i should be watching right now that i'm not it is mr robot do you concur with this statement
2: Absolutely. Uh, the cinematography is crazy good. Uh, the story, um, I won't give away much. It's definitely not just a hacker drama, and they actually put some effort into the the techno babble that they do spill out there. But uh, Rami Malek, I believe is how you pronounce his name, he's the lead character, and he's just hes incredible. Uh, not only to look at because he's unique with the, the giant... Bug eyes as he's described <clears throat> as he's described in the show. But uh man, it's it's such a good show. I can't say enough good things about it.
1: Yeah, because now that Game of Thrones is over, I'm really kind of yeah, I'm pretty starving for a new show. I will not be watching The Walking Dead when it returns back. I uh, I gave up in season six, and I will not be coming back for season seven, unfortunately. You're a
2: better man than I. I only made it to uh, two episodes into season four, I think, when I
1: threw in the towel. Yeah, and I just feel like that that's how that show has been trending with a lot of people as of late. So I wonder how many years they truly think they do have left in that one, because I've heard them say that they feel like it can go on for... Forever, really? Huh.
2: Yeah, I think that was uh, Robert Kirkman's plan is to just kind of explore what happens as a zombie apocalypse progresses, and uh, I don't think there was really an end in sight. So there needs to be,
1: though, because I'm so conditioned now to watching television that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Breaking Bad: beginning, middle, end. Mad Men, um, Game of Thrones—you know—shows that usually follow that formula tend to be so much more successful and we're going to see the ending to a show that I can't wait to see come back and that's The Leftovers on HBO. I love that show. Yeah man, I to me it's like an emotional experience every single time I watch a single episode. It it just takes me on a roller coaster of emotion every time. I love it to death and I think it's criminally underappreciated and underseen. So with that said, if you're listening right now, do yourself a favor and check out HBO's The Leftovers.
2: Yeah, International Assassin was one of the best episodes of TV I watched last year, I believe.
1: If that does not get nominated for writing in a couple days at this year's Emmy Awards, I I just won't know what to do with myself. I really won't. (laughs) I agree completely. Because it really was a unique experience, unlike anything else I'd ever seen before.
2: And I've never seen such a radical change between seasons. Like, season one is so much different than season two, and it it got even better in season two. Uh, I'm really sad that it's going to end, but hey, uh, if they have an end in sight, then it's probably better that way.
1: I agree. I definitely agree with you on that. Like I was saying before, I caught the Phenom recently, which is a film that has Paul Giamatti, Ethan Hawke, uh, this new kid who plays the lead in the movie. I can't quite remember his name right now off the top of my head, uh, I think it's um Johnny Johnny something Johnny Simmons yeah Johnny Simmons it is it's a film directed by Noah Bushel indie film very very indie and it's 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 very how do I say this unconventional I guess you could say the ending caught me off guard the psychological depth of the movie caught me off guard the camera the cinematography the way that it was paced there was a lot in this movie that really 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 took me by surprise sometimes in good ways sometimes in unexpectedly not so good ways but on the whole though I thought it was definitely a very solidly crafted film very well acted I mean Ethan Hawke is just I feel like he's in the point in his life right now where he's just turning out quality performance after quality performance. And to a certain degree, I feel like he's always been that way. I just don't think people realized it. (laughs) I agree with that, actually. He was really phenomenal in this movie. It was like watching J.K. Simmons in Whiplash a couple years ago where every time he's on the screen, he's playing this very aggressive, violent character, but yet he's so magnetic and it's like the screen just instantly lights up the minute he comes on on there. He's just... He's phenomenal in this. He really, truly is. Yeah, I
2: actually haven't heard of the the Phenom, actually.
1: Oh, no? No, I haven't. Well, let me tell you what it's about really quick. It's about a pitcher in the major leagues who's a rookie, admittedly, and he's throwing wild pitches. His head's not in the game. So they send him over to a sports doctor, like a psychologist, to talk to him, try to help him through whatever is going through his mind right now. And you ultimately start to uncover that Ethan Hawke, who plays the kid's father, basically abused him as a child. Not sexually, but verbally and physically. And that definitely is something that today, while he's playing the game, he has all this expectation surrounding him because this is what his father pushed him to be. But you definitely get the sense that maybe this is not the life that he wanted to lead. It was something that he was good at. And because of his gift of being able to throw an over 100-mile-per-hour fastball or whatever the case may be, you know, there's that expectation that gets built up around you. Next thing you know, you're being offered millions of dollars. What does that do to a person? And so that's what the movie tries to explore.
2: That's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It really, really is. And it's definitely uh, a hidden gem this year that I would recommend people to watch, but just with a little bit of caution it's it's definitely very different in some some of the filming techniques and such so in any event today we're going to be talking about a less unconventional film and a more some might say too much more conventional movie <laughs> in the secret life of pets directed by Chris Renaud and Yarrow Cheney Secret Life of Pets is Illumination Entertainment's follow-up film to Minions. So, how does the Secret Life of Pets stack up? We're going to find out now.
0: I'm Max, and I'm the luckiest dog in New York because of her. Come on, Max, I gotta go. See you tonight.
1: Bye, Gidget. So long, Mel. See you later, Chloe.
0: Today? I got big plans. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna wait for Katie to come back. Oh I miss her so much. She's back! She's hey Maximilian! I have some big news. Oh Max, this is Duke. <gasps> He's going to be your brother. Chloe! Chloe! I got a bad situation. <makes> Katie brought home a psychopath from the pound. I don't even have a bed now. Ah! I'm sleeping on the floor, like a dog. Dukas is dis- ruining our lives. He's rude. Ruining- it's an emergency. <makes libic noise> Aw, you little cutie pie. Hey, Max! I'm
2: headed...
0: <makes> What's going on here?
2: Hide your own business. Oh, my gosh, what happened to you?
0: Butterfly! 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 Butterfly. 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 I get it. Max is missing! We've got to find him! Katie's gonna be worried sick. We had a great thing going. I blame myself. Yeah, me too. I blame you a lot. We'll bust the both of you out of here, but from now on, you work for me. Advantage me! Uh oh. Just ignore what just happened, okay? <laughs> <Birdman>. <laughs>
1: Okay, so The Secret Life of Pets stars Louis C.K., Eric Stone Street, Kevin Hart, Steve Coogan, Ellie Kemper, Bobby Moynihan, Lake Bell, Dana Carvey, Jenny Slate, Albert Brooks. It's got a big cast here. The story is as follows. Max, who's played by Louis C.K., is a spoiled terrier who enjoys a comfortable life in a New York building. Hey, that's where I live. Until his owner adopts Duke, played by Eric Stone Street, a giant and unruly canine. During their walk outside, they encounter a group of ferocious alley cats and wind up in a truck that's bound for the pound. Luckily, a rebellious bunny, voiced by Kevin Hart, named Snowball, swoops in to save the doggy duo from captivity. And in exchange, Snowball demands that Max and Duke... Join his gang of abandoned pets on a mission against humans who have done them wrong. Let's toss this off to you first, Phil. What did you think of The Secret Life of Pets?
2: Well, um, I didn't like it that much, <laughs> to, to put it frankly. Um, let me say this. I think it's uh, at its core, it's essentially Toy Story, but a less good version.
1: Yeah, agreed. Toy yeah. Story meets Zootopia, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and I, I haven't seen Zootopia. Now I'm wishing <gasps> I had.
1: I know, I know. I'm,
2: I didn't make it to the theater. I just somehow missed the run. I don't know.
1: You don't need to do that. It's out now. You can rent it. <laughs> you can buy it. You, just don't pirate it. It deserves to be seen. It is so good. Oh, my God, it's so good. Like, inside-out levels good. I'm telling you, man.
2: Yeah, I, I need to see it, definitely. Uh, and if nothing else, as a palate cleanser. Because I saw uh, the BFG last week, and I saw this uh this week and both movies uh i've at this point with pixar and everything i expect every kids movie to have something for me and something i enjoy and some themes to work with um the bfg of course was basically only for kids um and this turns out to be kind of the same deal yeah um, it's it, in a lot of ways it's very surface level with everything going on um it's kind of loud and dumb in parts uh, with a lot of you know wacky hijinks and that kind of stuff um i don't know i mean like I, I feel like all the really funny and good parts were in the trailer yes
1: i don't know about you no um definitely an agreeance there all the best jokes the best moments completely in that trailer and i i even commented in my review saying that you could click below in the trailer and that's all you need for the movie pretty much
2: Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, there were uh, quite a few parts I enjoyed, and I enjoyed the voice acting from Louis C.K., although I feel like um, he was present in the first half, but just kind of vanished in the second half. Um, I I don't know if that's uh, the fact that it got into more action-oriented stuff
1: or Kevin Hart kind of took over. Can we talk about the action bit for just a second? Sure, sure. That, to me, stood out a lot. I got this overriding sense that for a film that is clearly targeted at kids and less so the adults taking them to see the movie that a lot of the problems in this film were solved using violence yeah there was a lot of fighting a lot of death i i just got this over like overwhelming sense of man everybody's just solving their problems by kicking butt and dropping bricks on snakes and you know what have you and just a lot of talk about killing and death you know
2: yeah i actually thought uh the scene uh it's early on i don't really consider this much of a spoiler uh when they first encounter snowball and uh i guess uh tattoo and i don't know the name of the iguana and they jump the animal control guys i thought that was just overly violent and kind of terrible (laughs) and uh, there were a few car crashes in it as well that were kind of just horrific
1: in nature yeah i mean so you have this horrifying film (laughs) for adults i don't think kids are going to notice and i don't think kids are going to care because i saw this movie with a packed house and every kid seemed to be enjoying the hell out of this and don't get me wrong I got a couple of good chuckles out of this movie. I, I, I definitely giggled and chuckled here and there, but there's not a single real laugh out loud moment in this movie. I feel like even Kevin Hart, who's channeling his most heartiest of Kevin Hart's, <laughs> even, even he couldn't really get me to laugh the way that I felt like the film wanted me to, but kids, man, they were eating this up.
2: Yeah, all the the really funny parts were the, the pet gags that were in the trailer, and then, uh, of course, there was a, a particular daydream involving a hawk, which was uh, had me laughing in my seat, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Now, do you have a pet? Um, I actually had a dog pass away two weeks ago. No, uh, I'm so sorry. But, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. I'm so sorry. Which I thought maybe this movie would, you know, impact me in that way, but it didn't.
1: <laughs> It'll probably only serve to maybe anger you more, I would imagine. Jesus.
2: Yeah, um I've got a couple fish, but yeah, that was that was the big pet. So
1: um what about you? Do you have any pets? I do ish. It's my roommate's pet, but since it lives in the same, you know, apartment as I do, it's kinda like my pet, I suppose. So as I'm watching this movie, the one thing that just really stood out to me and was probably the only relatable moment for me in the entire movie was the moment that you leave and the dog goes, oh, I miss her so much. <laughs> and then when she comes back, uh, Katie, in this instance, the dog's like, oh, 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 my gosh, she's back. She's back. Yes. And I definitely get that with my dog when I come home. I can totally tell that every time I leave, she's probably like, oh, I miss him so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so... I definitely thought that stuff, when I talk about giggling and chuckling, that was the stuff that did it for me. But this is a very inconsistent movie all around. It, I mean, there really isn't even a deliberate message or theme of this film, I really felt like. And if there is, it's just stale. The, the buddy cop routine... Uh, well. Sorry, they're not buddy cops. They're not like, this is not Zootopia. Sorry, <laughs> even though I keep making those comparisons here. But the, the buddy gag duo of two guys who don't necessarily like each other but must work together to stay alive. And then by the end, they become friends. Like, I'm kind of over it. I really am. Or maybe I'm just not over it. Maybe I just want to see it done better. I feel like this film had some really interesting angles it could have taken. And there is even one scene in the film towards the end uh, having to deal with Duke's previous owner, that I thought, wow, okay, maybe we're going to finally get some sort of a underlying message for this movie, and we're going to get some really deep emotional resonance stuff here. We don't. And the film just glosses over it, and it's just swiped underneath the rug and forgotten about in less than ten minutes, and I just, I was baffled by that, because I said to myself right away, man, when it comes to crafting these animated films, you talk about story, you talk about character. Disney and Pixar, and some will argue, although I do think they are a little inconsistent sometimes as well, DreamWorks Animation, these guys got it down pat, and I don't think Illumination Entertainment has it yet.
2: No, I don't either. They, they definitely squandered uh, the plot line with Duke, and they kind of squandered the relationship that these animals had with their owners because really it didn't explore that very much outside of you know the baseline adoration of katie um the other pets which um i don't know what this says about the movie that i don't remember the majority of the supporting
1: pets uh oh i don't either
2: yeah i don't don't know half of their names
1: uh Uh, except for um what was it the the puffy uh, one gidget yeah yeah, she was quite memorable. Uh, who plays her again? It's not Ellie Kemper. Uh, Jenny it's Slate, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. Another Zootopia person. You need to see this movie, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Is she the rabbit in Zootopia? No, she plays a bunny in that movie. Oh. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, not a bunny. Uh, that would be a rabbit. No, yeah. it was a, um, uh, a sheep. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, and I enjoyed uh, the performance of, uh, I believe it was Lake Bell who played Chloe the cat. Uh, Which I I got a kick out of that because I used to have a cat and uh, I I know how ridiculous they can be and they kind of hit that on the head. (laughs) (laughs) But no, um, there was a lot that could have been explored and instead, uh, like I said before, it turns into more just loud noises and flashy colors, which,
1: um, you know, it doesn't do it for me since I'm not five. No, I completely agree with you. There was one scene though, speaking of not being five, where... (laughs) We kind of get, I guess, what's going to be called the PG equivalent of what Sausage Party will probably be like. I suppose. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) that's all I could think of when that scene came on, where there's all these dancing sausages singing uh, "We We Go Together" from Greece, and it's like, okay, uh, yeah, I feel like Seth Rogen is gonna do this better. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah i felt the same way and that scene just kind of came out of nowhere
1: <laughs> uh, it really truly did i don't know if it was supposed to be trippy or what the case was we know that Seth rogan was probably smoking some weed when he figured out the story for sausage party but these guys i'm not exactly 100 sure about that on here and tying that in for a second when it comes to like the music choices you know we got We got a Grease song. We got Taylor Swift. We got System of a Down of All People, you know, which is also in the trailer at one point. Once again, best moments being in the trailer. I got the sense that this film wanted to be modern. It wanted to have some pop culture uh, relevance to it. And once again, I I just feel like everything that this film set out to do, even in an animation standpoint, I, I just don't know if it, succeeded in any anywhere, really. I really don't know. The voice acting, though, I'll give credit to the voice acting. I I particularly enjoyed Louis C.K., Kevin Hart, uh, Jenny Slate. I thought they were fantastic here.
2: I did, too. Uh, I actually wanted to, as soon as I heard the song, I wanted to ask you about this, since I knew you were from New York. Um, what would you think about the really cheesy Welcome to New York song that was playing at the at the very beginning with the opening narration from Max? Uh,
1: nope. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. No. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so cheesy. It's Taylor, um, it's Taylor Swift. So. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Usually I have an ear for... Um, hearing scores in movies, but I I didn't really hear an original score if there was one, or maybe I wasn't paying enough attention.
1: <laughs> no, I really didn't think that there really was one here. It just seemed like it was in the background, not trying to overtake the film, and that's a shame, because score is a tool that, when used properly by any director of film, can really enhance the mood and overall quality of a, of a piece of, of filmmaking, so it's uh, kind of a missed opportunity once again you know this film tries to set out to do many different things and it never quite succeeds in any of those areas so with that said let's toss it over to any final thoughts and a final grade here so phil final thoughts grade what do you got
2: okay um i'll say that uh like you said about the voice acting, the voice acting across the board I think was fine. Um, I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't really have a problem with characters. Um, what I did have a problem with in general is uh, the plot itself and the lack of depth or anything for adults <laughs> or anything original or memorable. Um, so it, it's, it comes down to the, the writing, uh, directing, uh, everything on that side of the filmmaking. Um, so yeah, this, this one's definitely not for me. Um, probably not the target audience either. Um, generally speaking, I don't care much for illumination entertainment things, but, um, I'll go with a two out of five, or if you're going off the film beef scale where we do steak preparedness, it would be a medium rare.
1: So once again, my reputation precedes myself, I am going to be giving this a, Lower review, I will be going with a one and a half star rating out of five. This film has its moments, those moments are very few. The only reason why it gets even that half star from me is because I know for a fact that if you take your children to see this, your children will most likely have a blast with it. But parents, listen up, take a nap. (laughs) <laughs> it's an 85 minute nap. It'll feel glorious. You will feel great. Take it. Take it, good. Would it kill you to say something? I did.
0: No. It's the first thing you've said in the last four hours. That's a. That's a fountain of conversation, man. That's a geyser.
1: I mean, whoa, Teddy, stand back, man. Alrighty, so. In talking about the secret life of pets here, I will say this. I needed a moment when I saw this movie. I needed it because there's been some really crazy stuff happening right now in our country at this current time. Not to get too heavy-handed here, people. I'm not here to talk (laughs) about that. What I am here to talk about is I want to talk about film as a means of escapism. And what that means to you, Phil. What it means to me. Because when I saw this movie, even though the story wasn't exactly amazing, I was still in a movie. And a lighthearted movie at that. And I think that's exactly what I needed. I needed something that was completely, totally different than what's happening right now in our country. And I needed that to take my mind off of it. And it did that. Now... I didn't have the most amazing experience with this particular movie, you know, as the rating suggests, but I still was able to forget about my worries and my problems. Hakuna Matata, right? Right. So, what's your feeling on that? Do you feel that film as a needs of escapism? Do you feel that it is something that is essential we definitely need it? And if so, can it be dangerous to overindulge in it?
2: I think it's definitely something that uh, we we need as a society, and that's part of the reason why entertainment exists in general and why it's existed for so long. Um, th- this movie, even though I didn't enjoy it, that coupled with the uh, release of Pokemon Go actually have completely distracted me from um, the atrocities going on across the country. Um, it's It's really bad, and we have a a terrible election on the horizon and a lot of things are going bad in the world, but Hey, um, at least for a brief hour and a half, I was away from it and I can really appreciate that. I appreciate it even more if it's a movie like, um, I think the most recent thing that comes to mind that completely took me out of this world and put me somewhere else was Interstellar. Oh, wow. It was it was like three hours long, and I was just so absorbed by the movie that I couldn't look away. I forgot, you know, everything that was going on with me and was just in the movie. And I think there's something to be said about that. Um, of course, lesser movies don't exactly completely take me out of it, but if I'm not looking at my phone and I'm in a dark room staring at a screen, uh, there's a lot of benefit to that. Now, um, I don't necessarily think there's uh, a danger of overindulgence, but, uh, you know, you do have to remember that (laughs) you have responsibilities, for one, and you can't just always escape things. And um, a lot of these things, even though you need an escape from them, you have to reflect on them and, you know, kind of... Decide how you feel about it. And, um, you know, if it's something that requires action, then maybe you should hop to action as well.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that. And the reason why I talk about overindulging a little bit is because I, one time to my memory, and there might be a more recent time, but this one definitely, because this has been ongoing for me for years, ever since I saw the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy, which. I always pinpoint to as the film that got me into films. I respect that so much. Thank you. Thank you. I grew up watching Jurassic Park and Star Wars and all these other movies, but it wasn't until at the ripe young age of 11 that I saw The Fellowship of the Ring and had that year long wait for The Two Towers and then that year long wait again for Return of the King. I was obsessed with those movies, completely obsessed. I wanted to spend as much time as possible in Middle-earth and in that world. And I think that today, from a television standpoint, Game of Thrones does that for me. And anybody that knows me personally knows that I never stop talking about Game of Thrones, even when it's off the air. I always talk about it constantly. I agree. (laughs) Because I think that when a film or a television series is able to build a world And tell a story within that world to the highest quality possible. I'm looking at you, Avatar. You were not of the highest quality possible in the storytelling department. (laughs) In world building, you get an A. Storytelling James Cameron, you still got some work. Anyways, when it's of the highest quality possible, I I could stay there for years. Years, my head could be in that space. And I'll never want to leave. And one thing that I noticed uh, over the years between my comparisons with The Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones is that they both deal in very similar themes. Friendship, loyalty, honor, things that at our core is what we feel makes us good human beings. And I think that when I see displays of that acted out on the screen, that's the feeling and that's those are the people that I, I want to be. And so I just want to stay with them for as long as I possibly can. And I feel that that is the very essence of escapism because I'm not so sure that seeing people act honorably, seeing people act, uh, not selfishly, but out of love for others. I'm not sure if that's what I see on a day to day basis.
2: Yeah. I don't see that either. And yeah, I, like I said, there's so many good things about film. Um, you don't have to just get bogged down by everything. Um, there's a script, uh, it it ends, (laughs) uh, things usually go pretty well, uh, as opposed to real life where things are not so great. Usually, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been completely wrapped up in things before. Um, I've, I've, I'm sure I've overindulged in uh, especially Star Wars uh, and Lord of the Rings too.
1: (laughs) Harry Potter for people. Yeah. You know, there's a trend here with anything that's like a long ongoing saga or series. You know, you said Star Wars before. Look at how many people that were, (laughs) I don't want to, you know, disrespect and say old, but older than us were so excited when episode seven came out. And it's because they, too, have been in love with this world for decades. It, it, it's it's unbelievable when you can world build and you can have more than two hours. You know, you can have multiple movies or whatever, it be multiple episodes. But when you can build a world and re- make it something that is, uh, how do I say this? Like, y- you could really put yourself into that world. Right, yeah. And make that accessible to the audience. Man, oh man, you talk about building a franchise. I mean, Walking Dead, we talked about this earlier. Walking Dead could be the most amazing television show ever created. They could keep the actors on that show until they are all gray in the hair. And they could be decades older. They won't. And the reason why they won't is because bad storytelling and they're losing people and the show is getting bad word of mouth now i know it's hard to keep up good storytelling for a very long period of time but how amazing would it be if lord of the rings just came out with a new movie let's say every i don't know let's say once every three years forever the <laughs> ongoing adventures of new characters in this world As long as
2: it's not uh, Hobbit quality,
1: I I I would love it so much. And that's why I'm really excited about the Cloverfield movies now, because with Cloverfield and then with 10 Cloverfield Lane, they've built a world where this alien invasion has occurred. And it looks like they're going to start showing it from the perspectives of different people and uh, centering the films around that perspective and crafting a unique story around it that's that's brilliant that is absolutely brilliant
2: yeah that's another film uh, that just i i got completely wrapped up in and the first cloverfield of course i spent uh i don't know how many hours you know analyzing the poster alone trying to figure out what the monster was and all that stuff and 10 cloverfield lane comes around and you know Every now and then, if it's, uh, you know, the evening, I look up in the sky, I start thinking about the ending of that movie. Really? And there's, yeah, and there's something to be said about that, because I'm like, man, that's so good. It's so good. I love it. (laughs) Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, As far as escapism goes, um, when the, uh, not to get too serious here, but the Aurora shootings happened um, with Dark Knight Rises, I... It, it hit me personally um, because it was almost like an attack on a sanctuary of mine.
1: Did you feel the same way? Um, I can tell you that not a single time I spend at the movies doesn't go by that I don't say to myself, is this the movie that <laughs> I'm going to be in if that were to happen to me? Is this going to be it? Because I, I would hope that if God forbid something ever happened to me in a movie theater, I would hope that the movie I was watching was at least amazing and it was badass, <laughs> and people were like, Oh, of course, negs would have been watching that. But if I like, you know, if it happened to me, at secret life of pets. People would be like, ah, man, he must've been really upset leading up to that moment. Like, ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. Yeah, I, I I'm, I, man, I, I love that. I'm trying to lighten up the mood here, but this is also a very serious subject matter. And at the same time, uh, I don't know if I'm being a little too truthful by revealing all of this, but yes, yes, it, it definitely, it crosses my mind a lot. So it had a huge, huge impact on me for sure. Um, yeah, it, it hurt.
2: It kind of, it kind of hurts my escapism too, because like that was a place to go to get away. And then, you know, it didn't, the real life encroached on that and um, yeah, I've, I feel the same way every time I go to a movie theater, especially big packed ones. Like when I went and saw Batman v- versus Superman, I went and saw it like the night it came out, and it was a packed crowd. And I, the whole time, I'm just thinking of Aurora, and um,
1: man, it's that's rough. It was, I, I was thinking it the most, I would say, during Star Wars Episode 7, biggest oh, yeah, movie of all time. It's like, why wouldn't it happen? You know, was a thought that just kept going through my mind over and over. But I'm not going to let that stop me because, at the end of the day, when we talk about terrible things in this world and terrorism, whether it be abroad or local here at home, they want you to live your life through fear. And I'm not going to let that necessarily stop me from doing what it is that I love. So, me going to the movies, especially in the wake of what happened after Aurora. And every single time I go to the movies now since then, does it cross my mind? Yep. But do I still go? Absolutely. Because I'm not going to let any of that, like I said, ever just ever stop me from experiencing that escapism, experiencing the moment and also to experiencing emotions because, hey, you know what, sometimes if you have a boring, routine, mundane life And you get your emotional kicks out of a movie, whether it be anxiety, fear, happiness, joy, whatever it might be, it's worth it. To me, it will always be worth it. And this is why the movies are magical, right? Because they have the ability to transport us to have a profound impact on our lives, to make us see the world in unique and different ways the list can go on and on and on all day and I'll be damned if I'm going to let anybody take that away from me.
2: Absolutely. And you know, I, I will always, <laughs> I'm always going to be happier reading movie news than, you know, global news. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a passion. It's, it's a way to escape. And uh, you named off all those things. I instantly thought of the movie room, which is just like an emotional punch to the gut. <laughs> and, um, even movies like that that are hard to watch, it's it's just good to see something, uh, you know, in a, in a, I don't know a good word for it, I guess, sanitized environment where I just enjoy it and then turn it off and then I return to my life. But, hey, for a while I was in that moment and it was... It was, uh, you know,
1: it was real, for lack of a better word. Now, let's talk about this uh, as a final point. Even though I felt like I did have my true drop the mic moment, I still want to address this. Do you feel that you have to be in the cinema to experience a movie for the first time? What is it about being in that large room with that large screen surrounded by people that creates that feeling of, I gotta be there?
2: Yeah, it's just something special, and you don't get it after the theatrical run. You, you never do. Like, you can watch something, like, for instance, like I was talking about Room. I watched that on a small TV setting relatively far away. Couldn't hear it that well. Still loved it. But it would never match uh, setting in a theater and watching it. It's, it's just the whole atmosphere, the feeling. Like, everyone that came there is there to see that movie. Everyone's excited. There's an energy to the Room. And it's, it's something that, um, you know, I'll never understand the people who don't enjoy going to the movies. It's, <laughs> it's the same as going to a sporting event or, I don't know, hell, the circus or something. It's, it's that special moment that you're not going to get otherwise. Um, that's why I go to the theaters on opening night for the big releases, um, it's, like I said, I can't say it enough. It's something special.
1: Now, this um, the service that Peter Jackson, Steven Spielberg, a couple others have endorsed right now, where you'll be able to watch the theatrical run of a film from your home for a premium price, would you ever... Let's imagine the money wasn't an, an option in this case. W- would you ever consider doing it? Not for the movies that I'm passionate about. Um, like, uh, I
2: brought up Interstellar earlier. There's no way it would have the same effect if I was at home. Uh, I feel like going to the theater is always the preferred option for me.
1: Mm. And, you know, for me, it's about seeing the reactions on people around me. I don't know what it is that I enjoy more The first time I watch Game of Thrones or the repeat watch is where I watch my friends' reactions to watching Game of Thrones. Yes, (laughs) yes. Yeah, I agree. So I also feel that way about movies as well. I mean, think about it. The first time you watch The Departed and that moment in the elevator happens, you get the ever-living shit scared out of you in that moment. And then the joy of rewatch that movie with people that have never seen it before is watching them jump and scream and go, what? <laughs> that, that is, that's to me, that's one of the best feelings in the world. I can't tell you which one of the two, though, the the experience of it happening to me or the experience of watching it happen to others. I, I, I can't tell you which one I prefer over the other, but. Definitely that second time rewatch is I would hold it up. there as one of the best feelings in the world and on par with the actual experience itself. It's always
2: great to have someone to talk to uh, talk to about what you just saw and experienced because, you know, uh, for instance, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I saw it by myself and loved it. And, um, of course, you know, a a lot of people I knew hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, man, I really should have dragged like, you know, 10 people with me (laughs) to see this because it it is that, uh, second person's reaction to validate and just go in depth and, you know, just really geek out about what you just saw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember I saw the Hurt Locker one time in the afternoon with my sister and this was like... Man, I remember just not knowing anything about it going in. Just knew that I had a ninety-seven percent of Rotten Tomatoes and had some festival buzz. And next thing you know, I called up a bunch of my friends. Five of us went, and I went a second time in the same day in the evening. We saw the movie. I saw the movie again, and it it just like like that to me is like so amazing when you have such a great experience with something and you just want to share it with somebody else because. Let's be honest with each other here. It, it, the, amount of, the amount of times we go to the movies and we see so many movies, most people can't find the times to fit other people into that schedule. Right. So we ended up going alone. And if a movie I feel really, really passionate about that was able to help me escape, if I can give that gift to somebody else, I feel like if they, if they have the same experience I did the first time, then... I, I, I don't know. I think this is what, over time, people were able to so, kind of look at me and go, oh, Matt's the guy to go to for movie recommendations. Matt's the guy to go to for anything about movies because I gave them the gift of that experience. And they remember that. They remember that I called them and I dragged them to the theater. So excited, so giddy with joy that they had to share in that experience. And I think that's how guys like myself and you we become known as movie guys
2: yeah and uh there's there's that special moment when you uh let someone borrow a dvd or blu-ray or something and they come back smile on their face man that was awesome (laughs) there's
1: it's it's hard to replace stuff like that it really really is it truly is at this point, we're going to wind down now for this episode of the Next Best Film Podcast. But before we do, Phil, is there, are there any final thoughts you want to share with everybody? And where can we find you on the internet?
2: Well, uh, first, I want to say, you know, thank you a lot for having me on. Uh, we just kind of met over Twitter and then this happened. So I'm, I'm glad to have talked to you. I really enjoyed my time on here.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that.
2: Uh, to plug my stuff, uh, I'm on Twitter at filmbeefphil. Uh, my podcast is the film beef podcast it's at film beef yeah y-e-a-h on twitter um you can find the podcast at filmbeef.com and on youtube if you search just film beef uh you'll you'll see the blue and red cow logo (laughs) and that's us um we do weekly movie reviews we're recapping amc's preacher uh tnt's animal kingdom and uh we just wrapped up game of thrones season six And, uh, we're actually about to start Mr. Robot season two, uh, which you haven't watched. If you
1: haven't watched that, watch it on Amazon prime and, uh, follow along with us. Cool. All right, man. I want to thank you once again for being on here. This has been the Neg's best film podcast, episode number 21, a part of next best thing.com. As a final plug, I just want to give a shout out to my friends, JD and Brendan, over at InSessionFilm.com They've got a great podcast for you out there Known as the Session Film Podcast Where I am a regular contributor On their extra film segment So please be sure to subscribe to them And check out the podcast You guys are great Thank you for making this show Everything that it is And thank you for making NegsBestThing.com What it is today I am your host, Betty Negs And I will see you next time
0: Plus.